The scripture this morning comes from Romans 10, verses 8 through 15. And if you don't have a Bible this morning, we have one in the pew in front of you you can use. This is what the Apostle Paul writes, beginning in verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says, Everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how they are to believe in Him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. This is the word of the Lord. A few weeks ago I was watching the news. It was a kind of a special news program. And uh, the, the news anchor there was interviewing Bill Gates. And you can imagine what the topic of conversation was. You think maybe Microsoft, computers, technology. And he, they did talk about that for a little while, but the conversation shifted. And the focus became about the, the Gates' passion to eradicate polio around the world. And I thought it was fascinating as I heard them talk about their plans to try to eradicate polio uh, from the face of the planet. And what caught me was this global vision that they had. That they were all about going, not only in the United States, but all over the world to eradicate this debilitating disease. And yet, I saw the passion of Bill and Melinda Gates, as well as others that are partnered with them in their agency and other agencies as well. And I began to wonder, you know, is there anything that I'm that passionate about? Is there anything that you are that passionate about. You know, as followers of Christ, we have a a worldwide vision as well. Uh, Jesus Himself gave it to us in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So our worldwide vision is to see the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ presented to every people group on the planet. That's our mission. That's our vision. But the question is, how do you do it? Just like that newscaster was talking to Bill Gates, this is a grand vision, but how do you do that? Just think about the difficulty you're going to face as you go into different countries, different cultures, different levels of technology that's present in different cultures and take this vaccine and convince a group of people that we're going to give your child a shot and it's going to help them. So the question is similar to us, to our our situation as well. We've got this global vision, this global mission, but how do you do it? How do you go about seeing this accomplished? Well, the Apostle Paul in this passage in Romans 10, uh, he tells us a few things. He tells us what the gospel is, but he also tells us how this gospel will be administered to the nations. So first let's look at what the gospel is. He, he defines it in verses 8 through 13. 
He says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so what is the gospel? The gospel is a truth that we have to orient our lives to. It is true. It is the reality of the situation. What Jesus has done for us. And He tells us at the center of the gospel is Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, there is no gospel. Without, without Jesus, there, there is no good news. And so Christ is the center. And I, I want to just take a small detour here and elaborate on one phrase that he uses here when he says uh, that we confess Jesus is Lord. Which is an all-encompassing term, is it not? If Jesus is Lord of all, uh, that's pretty significant. And He deserves the worship of all. And he also refers to his resurrection, which implies his incarnation, his life, and his death as well. All those aspects go into what the gospel is. But I want to take a short detour and just elaborate on this idea of Jesus being Lord for a moment. Uh, Because perhaps you have encountered uh, this type of thinking, and maybe you've even thought this way yourself in your own uh, spiritual journey with God. And that is... Sometimes there is a distinction made between seeing Jesus as Savior and Jesus as Lord. And I'm going to argue that there's actually no distinction between the two. They're one and the same. But sometimes we articulate our experiences with God in this way. Sometimes we say, at some point in my life, I placed my faith in Jesus Christ. He is my Savior. Maybe when you were young or maybe at some point in your life you... Proclaim Christ as your Savior. He saved you from your sins. But then at some other point in your life, you know, God really penetrated your heart and you saw a dramatic change take place and you say, well, at that point, Jesus is not only my Savior, but He became my Lord. And without denying that God did a great work in your heart, which He does all the time, you know, at different degrees, but He's constantly working on our heart, moving us closer to Christ's likeness, is He not? But to articulate your experience that way, I don't think uh, aligns with what Paul's talking about here. In other words, I don't think the Scripture distinguishes between the two experiences of, of experiencing Christ as Savior and then later experiencing Him as Lord. Because you can't separate the two. He is Lord. And the question is, have you submitted to Him as Lord? He doesn't become Savior and then Lord down the road. He is the Lord. He's the Savior and He's the Lord. And so what most likely has happened in our lives, uh, if we have this type of thinking, is that we had truly come to Christ, but at some point, you know, the Holy Spirit is just moving us closer to Christ's likeness, and it was an authentic work of God's Spirit. But to articulate it by saying there's this Savior experience and this Lord experience, I think, uh, can confuse the gospel. And so he tells us what is the gospel, and that is Christ is Lord, He is Savior, He is the good news. 
And he tells us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be, we will be saved. The resurrection you know, opens the door for us to be reconciled to God, to be, to be made right with God. And so the gospel, put simply, uh, is the cure to our sin problem. I mean, it, it is the cure. You know, the gospel is what bridges the gap between us and God to allow us to have a relationship with God. And going back to this idea of uh, eradicating polio from the world, we all know that the polio vaccine exists. But we also know that it does no good if it remains in the syringe. It doesn't help anyone. And we all know the gospel exists. We all know the gospel's true. But it helps no one if it remains in the syringe of silence. And so the question is, how, how is the gospel administered to the nations? We know how vaccines are administered. <laughs> through those painful little shots. Or several. But how is the gospel administered? How, how does the gospel go forward to our neighbors and to the nations? I think Paul tells us in verses 14 and 15, and this is what he says. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So Paul works backwards and he says, okay, here's the deal. If you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. If you believe in Christ, if you put your faith in Christ, you will be saved. And then he says, well, how are they going to call upon someone that they don't know? How are they going to call on someone in whom they do not believe? And then he says, well, how can they believe on someone that they've never heard about? And how can they hear about Jesus if no one tells them about Him? And so if you flip the order around, you see how the gospel goes out to all the nations. You have someone who's experienced Christ. They've placed their faith in Christ. They have the gospel within them. And then they speak the gospel to those who don't know Christ. And as that information about Christ, what He's done, that reality of the gospel goes forward some will embrace Christ, believe on Christ, and then they will call out to Christ. That is how the gospel goes forward. So the Gates Foundation, Bill and Melinda Gates, they're, you know, they're busy raising money. And what they're doing is they are looking into different technologies. They're recruiting volunteers and helpers and, and people to take the vaccine, the polio vaccine, to where it's needed most. You know, what's interesting is, in 1988, the polio virus was active in 200, let's see, 125 countries, affecting over 200,000 people. And since 1988, this work has been going on to eradicate this, this virus. And as of last year, there were only 250 known cases around the world. And at this moment, there are only three countries known that this virus is still active. So they have been very busy 
And they've been very effective in taking this vaccine to the people and getting rid of this devastating virus. And as I was listening to Gates talk about this, I was thinking, as Christians, are we that passionate about spreading the name of Christ? Are we willing to pull our resources, use our talents and abilities that God has given us, and go forward to our our neighbors, to the nations, and take the gospel to the people to eradicate lostness and to multiply worship of Christ. You know, John Piper, he said that missions exist because worship doesn't. I think that's a great way to think of missions. Missions exist because worship doesn't. In other words, if there's... If there's anyone, if there's a place anywhere in the world, anywhere in this city, anywhere in your neighborhood where worship doesn't take place, the worship of Christ, then the gospel needs to be presented. I think that's a great way to think about it. And we know this, this polio vaccine, vaccine exists, and so we need to administer, administer it to the people that need it most. And we also know the gospel exists. And in a greater way, we need to make sure it's administered to the people. And so the question is, are you willing to be involved in that process of getting the gospel to the, na- to the nations and even to your neighbors? You know, Jesus said in Matthew 5, He says in verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. And we all know the purpose of light is to illuminate the room. But it's hard to do that if you put a basket on top of it. And the purpose of the gospel is to birth new life, new spiritual life in people. But it cannot do that unless it is shared. Just like the light cannot shine forth unless the basket is taken off so the gospel can't produce new life unless it is, it is shared. And I think that's why uh, Paul in this passage in Romans 10, he, he ties this idea of believing and, conf- and confessing together. That you believe in Christ, you confess Christ. They just go together. That's what we do as Christians. And it reminds me of the prophet Jeremiah, uh, where Jeremiah writes in Jeremiah 20 verse 9. Listen to what he says. And the context here is God has given him his truth. God has placed his truth in Jeremiah's heart for him to share it. And look how Jeremiah uh, describes that experience. He says, If I say I will not mention him, meaning God, or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary withholding it in, and I cannot. He's got, he's got God's Word, His truth in His heart, and He just he says, it's burning. It, it has to make its way out. I can't hold it in. And I wonder, is that how the Gospel is in your life? Is that how we feel about the Gospel in our own lives? You know, is it burning within us, wanting to make its way out to those who don't know Christ? Do we sense this great need to take the gospel to those who don't know Christ? And I think if you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, we're all to be involved 
in some way, shape, or form in confessing Christ to the, to the nations and even to our own neighbors. And I think that begs the question that you may be asking, and that is, well, Ron, how do I do that? How do I get involved? You know, do I need to go to some foreign land? How do I do, do I go to a street corner and hold up a sign? I mean, what, how do I get involved in this, this global mission of God's? Well, first of all, I want you to realize that this is a community effort. You know, when I was in the baptistry, and I asked you to stand if you were involved in the lives of these young girls, many of you stood. And one of the reasons I wanted to do that is that to demonstrate that it's not just one person that God uses to bring someone to Christ. He uses His church, His body. We all have different parts to play in this great drama that he's, he's unfolding. And so how can you be involved? I want to give you just a few practical ways you can be involved in the global mission of God to take the gospel to our children, to our neighbors, and to the nations. One is that you can share the gospel. Actually know how to articulate what Christ has done. And this takes a little thinking and practice to summarize the Bible in a few minutes. But you can do it. You can share that God loves you to someone. You can tell them that your sin separates you from God. And that God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, so you can receive forgiveness for your sin. And you can spend eternity with God if you would just embrace Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can do that. You can share your testimony with someone. How God worked in your life. You can pray for those that don't know Christ. I'm sure many people prayed for you all. Maybe some more than others. <laughs> that you would come to know Christ. You can invite people to church. You know, one of the things I try to do every Sunday is I try to make every sermon Christ-centered. So that if anyone's here, they will hear about Christ and what He's done. Because I believe that's what the Bible teaches. The Bible is all about Christ from beginning to end. It's all about Christ. And so if we don't get to Christ, then we're not going far enough with the text of Scripture. So you bring them to church. Invite someone to church and the gospel will be proclaimed. You could share a book with somebody. And maybe there's a book that you read by an author that touched your life. You could give that to somebody to read. You could share a sermon with someone. All the sermons that, that I preach here... I post to the website, thehillbaptist.com, and maybe there's one that you say, you know, my neighbor, my coworker, I'd love for them to hear this sermon. And they can click on that and listen to it for free. Another thing you can do is you can give of your resources so that we can mobilize those who are able and willing to go to places that we can't go to take the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can uh, teach Sunday school. Or lead a small group Bible study. Or help out with children's choir. Or be in the adult choir. There's a number of ways we can all be involved in the process of taking the gospel to the nations. It's a church-wide effort. We all need to be involved. And I just want to make sure that none of us covers up our light with a basket. And let's make sure that the cure of the gospel doesn't remain in the syringe of silence. Let us pray. God, we come to you now 
confessing that we, we know that there are many areas of our lives that we would love to uh, be more effective in, more efficient in, more fruitful in, and surely this is one of them. Lord, we want to be involved in your global mission. We want to be involved in taking the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations. Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would put it on our hearts and minds what you would have us to do. Those next steps you want us to take. Maybe it's to get involved in the 40 days of ministry. Pick a day and see how we can take the gospel and word and deed to some aspect of the community. Whatever it is, Lord, put it on our hearts. Give us guidance. Help us to take that step of faith. Like Alex mentioned earlier, let's, let's swing for it. Let's, let's go for it. Let's trust you with it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.